Welcome, everybody. It's time for another episode of Asher Sales Sense, brought to you by Asher Strategies, the only global sales training company that integrates leading sales methodologies and the latest neuroscience studies into a simple and repeatable, that's the key, simple and repeatable 10-step process for sales success. Thank you, Paul. Paul is our announcer for Asher Sales Sense, and I'm Dave Potts in the Asher Strategies studio in Washington, D.C., our host and guest today is John Asher, CEO and founder of Asher Strategies, and the title of the show is Five Factors for Success in Sales. Hello, John. Hello, Dave. How are you? Couldn't be better. John, in your sales seminars and Vistage presentation, you talk about five factors for success in sales. How did these come about? Dave, over many, many years, maybe 20 I've essentially been to all major sales training institutes, read um, a couple hundred books on sales, kept up with blogs and all kinds of other information. And if you summarize it all and try to make it simple, the output will be these five factors for sales success. The first factor that you came up with for success in sales is product knowledge. Why, why is that so important? Why is product knowledge so essential? Well, number one, Product knowledge gives salespeople power and confidence. When they really know what they're talking about, they can really uh, add value to prospects and suspects. And an example, a, a bad example would be if a salesperson comes to see you, and it's pretty clear after a few questions from you that they really don't know what they're talking about. I mean, how much longer are we talking to them? Not much. <laughs> not very. Not much longer. Yeah. <laughs> Not much. Now, and so it, so the, when you watch the great salespeople, in almost every case, they're really very strong in product knowledge. Now, in some cases, this can be two people. An example, we train for some larger companies where they have a lot of uh, great salespeople. We trained for Oracle in the past, for example. And their salespeople are great, almost always great. They have a strong aptitude for sales. They got great product knowledge. They, they pretty much know three things. They know the six Oracle products. They know the applications of those products. They've got the ROI case studies, you know, from other companies of the products. And in most cases, that's pretty much all you need. Well, in some cases, when you're selling, an Oracle salesperson is selling to a real technical CIO or CFO, and that buyer wants to really peel back the onion on the software, well, then the Oracle salesperson will bring in a sales engineer to back them up. So in some cases, it's a combination of the salesperson and a technical person. I'd say in most cases, probably 80, 90% of the time, it's got to be the salesperson knows what they're talking about at a real high level. That makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of entry-level salespeople, of course, every year. And so my advice to them is, Burn the midnight oil. Become the expert as soon as you can. Because the more you know, the better you can uh, come across to clients. Uh, you got power. You, you really feel powerful. You feel really confident. And, that, and, that, and that'll show. And confidence is so important in and of a course, sales relationship. Yeah. And, and so, so in, the, in the kind of born or made discussion about salespeople, product knowledge, of course, is, you know, it's made. You got to learn it. In a few cases salespeople have to have a really high IQ. That is, be really smart. And those cases are obvious to most of us, engineering companies, real high technical companies like IT companies, some financial companies where 
the uh, brokers have to do compliance testing every year. They got to be smart so they can pass the <laughs> so they can pass the tests every year. And an, another interesting uh, area where you need really smart salespeople is when when you have just salespeople selling for distributors, selling a large product line, or they're selling their stuff, but pro say medical products from eight other companies. That in many cases it takes a while to get that product knowledge, and so then intelligence becomes important for some sales jobs, so they can get the product knowledge quickly. Well, speaking of that, uh, the second factor for success in sales is sales aptitude. Is aptitude born or made? Born. Aptitude is really what's our natural talent for a job, and of course, in this case, we're talking sales. And let's just stick with the hunter sales role. Whether it's a um, outside hunter salesperson who goes out and meets people in person, or it's an inside salesperson who's got a quota too, and they've got to make sales, they just never leave their office. They're all about uh, go to meetings, Zoom, uh, LinkedIn, phone calls, and you know that sort of thing. For the hunter salesperson, you want them to have a natural talent for hunting. That's what essentially these sales aptitude assessments will measure. When you look at the nine personality traits that all together make up all of our personality styles, then you would like to see the scores for, a, say, a candidate salesperson for all of those nine traits. And if it fits well for sales, then we have a great hunter. Now, of course, some of us will be better suited for the account manager job, sometimes called the farmer position. Some people are well suited for the customer service role. Some people, not me, but some, some people are very well suited to be a sales, a sales manager. So the whole idea of the assessment is to find out how much natural talent people for the role. And of the five factors, this one, all by itself, accounts for 50% of sales results. And that comes from what's called a meta-analysis or a summary of a large number of studies from HR and um, sales institutes. So we now know that if you're hiring salespeople that don't have much natural talent for sales, we're really tying uh, one arm behind our back. Now to give you just a quick example of the nine traits and how you'd like to see a hunter salesperson, how much of it you'd like to see, one of the traits is intensity drive. What do you think, Dave? What would you like to see there? A lot, a moderate amount, or a little bit? I'd like to see that pretty high. Yeah, exactly. How about independence? Well, also high because they've got to get out there and work on their own. Yeah, exactly. How about um, need to analyze data? Well, that's tricky. You need to have some analysis, but you may not want someone who's overthinking things. Exactly. So for hunter salespeople, you don't want them all bogged down in analysis paralysis. Now, if it's a sales engineer's job, you actually would want need to analyze to be high, but not for an hunter salesperson. How about assertiveness? Well, that, that seems like that should be medium to high also. You don't want exactly. to be overly assertive, overly assertive, but yeah. yet you don't want them to be shrinking violets. <laughs> Too timid, right. So, yeah, you want people to have the natural gumption to ask for the order when it's the right, when it's the right time. So there's just four of the nine traits, and it's almost obvious to most people when you're hiring for a position how much of that you would like 
to see them have either a lot of it, a moderate amount of it, or a little bit of it. And so of the five factors, aptitude is the most significant and the most important. And the one we use, of course, is the APQ, which has been around for 40 years, started out just as a tool to hire hunter salespeople, and over many years has branched out to almost every other sales position and now some management positions as well. And the reason it hasn't branched out to every possible position is these large correlation studies that this company has to do to prove validity are very expensive. For example, doing one in Honeywell, for that's one of the ones they've done, for 1,200 salespeople and watch results over two years and then excuse people out of the database who got sick or, or left the company, a lot of analysis, very expensive. So aptitude, about half of the results, and it's got to be born. Who we are is who we are. That's significant. It's appropriate at this time also to, to take a quick commercial break. Okay, great. And let's do that break to remind you that over 200 correlation studies show that natural aptitude is the most significant factor in predicting sales success. That's right natural aptitude. Asher's Advanced Personality Questionnaire, the APQ as they call it, consistently identifies peak performers in outside sales, inside sales, sales management, customer support, and 17 other business positions. If you want to find out how to find the winners and choose the right people, go to asherstrategies.com or call 866-833-9941. That's Asher Strategies at 866-833-9941. And now back to our show. We've been speaking with John Asher on the five factors for sales success. Now back to the discussion. You covered the first factor product knowledge, and we went in extensive discussion on sales aptitude because it's also very important. But there's a third factor for sales success, and that's selling skills. Are there real skills? Do they, do they matter? Yes. So, I mean, an obvious example would be if the salesperson can't shut up when they're in front of a client, things are not going to go well. So, one of the 10 skills for the elite salespeople is called perfect listening. In other words, when you're with the uh, customer, totally focus 100% on their point of view or their needs or specifications, ask permission to take notes, take great notes. When you think you got it right, summarize and feed it back as many times as it takes for the customer to say, wow, you've you've got a perfect understanding of our needs. You've actually helped me understand what we really need. This has been such a great collaboration thank you so much. <laughs> so wouldn't it be great, Dave, to hear that the next customers we all listen to? Be music to our ears. It would be music to our ears. So there are 10 of these fundamental skills. That's one example. And so again, we've looked at all the major sales training institutes, what they recommend. It's all public information. And we've taken the best of the best and built it into 10 skills. So Sandler's skill about focus is our skill one. That's where Sandler really shines. The challenger sales shines in our skill two. In skill three, there's the Miller-Hyman and the Achieve Global, you know, get the inside coach or from the Covey training, get the inside champion. 
Or if you're in China, build the Guangxi, it's all the same idea. Dale Carnegie in four, build rapport, spin selling in five, etc. So when you watch the great salespeople, they understand all these skills, they know where they come from, and they know how to integrate them together. I think there's an assumption on some companies' parts that, you know, selling skills are, well, I mean, they're just window dressing, that you really just need to you know, hire some good people with a, with a lot of knowledge of product knowledge and customers and just, just send them out there and you know, just get them out there and a sale will happen. What do you think about that? I think it's possible. The only trouble is those salespeople are going to take a, a lot of time to get up to speed and get up to quota because they're going to stumble around. They'll try things, obviously, and the ones that don't work, they'll discard. And then by osmosis, after a while, they'll learn to do better. But why not give them the skills right up front? Then they're off to the races on day one. And I think it's like anything. If, if you want to be a professional, you've, you've got to learn the skills and you've got to practice, right? Totally, totally agree. The fourth factor for success in sales is motivation. Is this more affected by internal or external environments? Well, you watch highly motivated salespeople. Three things are typically working together, external and internal, as you suggest. So there's three parts. One is when they took that aptitude assessment, the intensity drive, if it's high, that means they're just naturally self-motivated people. When they wake up, they hop out of bed and they're ready to go. They can't wait to get in to start making calls or whatever the deal is. So that's the first part of motivation is natural. The second two are One's internal to the company and one is external. So the ex- external factor for salespeople can be things that are out of their control. For example, three years ago, when the price of oil dropped by 70%, the um, province of Alberta in Canada literally stalled funding of any government contractor, unless they were just critical. And the reason was, of course, the tax revenue went down by 70%. So they just have any money to pay government contractors. So you can imagine that affected the the, the uh, motivation of those government contractor salespeople. So there's all kinds of things that can be external, like the price of oil dropping, the bank pulls the plug when they said they're going to finance us, now they don't, the current uh, tariffs by the U.S. government that disrupt our business. So there's a lot of external things that can happen. The third part of motivation for salespeople is what's the deal with their sales manager? So when you look at all the studies from the Gallup organization over many years, and one of them was a study of 800,000 managers and 3 million people, resulting in the book, First Break All the Rules, and they give you the 10 rules for managing other people. And it's kind of a funny title, First Break All the Rules. What it means is what we used to think it took to be a great manager ain't necessarily so. And the second rule is people will stay in in a okay company with a great manager. They will not stay in any company, even a great company, with a bad manager. If you see people leaving in a certain department, then that's telling you, you better check on what's going on with the manager. So if salespeople have lousy sales managers, that's going to affect their motivation as well. So those are really the three aspects to it. And there's another one that can cut through in some cases, and that could be something going on with their personal lives. Going through a marital breakup or that sort of thing can affect people's motivation. So it's motivation is complex. There's a lot of things that impact it. Yeah, and it's interesting. I was just thinking about problems that professional athletes have. They have all the skills. 
what can affect their performance is what's going on in their heads. So it can really be a, a plus or a minus for a professional salesperson to, with, with regard to what's going on in between the ears, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's a, so many new studies out now about what's called mindset, right? What is your mindset? And so we just have to be very aware of that. And in many cases, when you go to educational programs, like I've been to several on trying to figure out what your mindset is, in some cases, your mindset is based on what happened to you and how you interpreted it actually when you were a child. So my mindset that can drag me down is I'm not good enough. And that came from my father. And so that's really driven me to be a workaholic. And so every now and then I have to say to myself, okay, you are, you are actually good enough. You're doing okay. <laughs> you can relax a bit every now and then. <laughs> well, well, John, you... The mind, mindset means a lot. Yeah, you would, but, you, but you turned that into a positive for you and everyone else. So that's great. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. <laughs> the, the fifth factor for success in sales is sales process. What, what do you think, what do you consider to be the best practices in this category? Well, you know, it's, uh, that fifth factor is all about what are the comp- where the salesperson's working, what are the company's sales, really sales and marketing processes to support the salesperson. And if they're really great, then life is pretty darn good for the salesperson. For example, if you're a B2B salesperson now and you're working in a company where marketing hands over qualified leads and that's all you're doing is following up on qualified leads, life is pretty darn good. If you have to do your own prospecting and company's marketing department's all about just making brochures and all that sort of stuff, then life is nowhere near as good. So it's really about the sales and marketing processes that the company has to support the salesperson. Another quick example would be this. You're in a company, you're doing great, you got a hunter gene, you really you brought in eight accounts over the first year, and now you meet with your sales manager and the manager says, okay, for next year, your job is to keep managing those eight accounts and bring in three new accounts. Well, halfway through the year, that hunter salesperson has not brought in any new accounts. And the reason is he or she's been totally overwhelmed with account management of the eight current accounts. So the fact that that hunter salesperson hasn't brought any new accounts in, whose fault is it? The hunter or the manager? Kind of obvious. It's obvious to you and me, Dave, but it ain't obvious to most people. <laughs> anyway, the, one obvious solution is get an assistant for that hunter salesperson to unload them of the uh, daily administrative stuff that could be done by a much more junior person. T- taking the, uh, the, the harness, uh, the plow off the racehorse, right? Exactly. That's a, that's a good way to describe it. <laughs> so when you sum it all up, Dave, there's a study by Harvard University that has the biggest research department on sales that, that there's about 23 hunter salespeople in the U.S. right now they're outside hunters, inside hunters. There are also some account managers who also have a hunting responsibility. And for government sales, they're called BD people typically because the government people don't like the word sales. According to Harvard, there's a Pareto principle, 80-20 rule, meaning about 5 million of them are elite and 20 million are not so hot. And for those 20 million, the turnover rate's about a third per year. And when you look at these five factors, there's a really strong correlation between the elite salespeople having all five factors in alignment. And when you look at the 20 million, 
They're not in alignment. And the usual culprits are they don't have the aptitude for hunting or they don't have the skills or both. So that's a way to look at the big picture of the five factors and how they apply to the 25 million salespeople in the country. Yeah, this is interesting what you've come up with, these factors of knowledge, aptitude, skills, motivation, and process. The, these are not only good for salespeople, they're good for pretty much anything we want to attempt in life, aren't they? To give an example of this, they're really the, um, the job description for a sales manager. For example, to illustrate your point, so an example would be when you watch the great sales managers, they're making sure the salespeople have the product knowledge. They're making sure they're hiring the salespeople with a high aptitude and then coaching them once they've got them. They're making sure the salespeople have those 10 skills, sales skills. They're making sure they're, they're motivated, at least doing their part as a sales manager by coaching them and helping them. And the sales manager is typically Mr. or Ms. process in charge of at least the sales processes and in many cases, both the sales and marketing processes. So you're right. When you look at those five factors, they apply to almost any job. Well, we've uh, unfortunately have to wrap this discussion up. Any last thoughts? Just remind listeners, how can you be reached? Well, you can reach us by just going to the uh, website, AsherStrategies.com, Dave. Well, that's easy. <laughs> Should be. <laughs> there's, a lot of, there's a lot of good information on there, too, also about, about the five factors and information about the advanced personality questionnaire, which can help you and uh, the people who work with you, for you, with uh, regard to sales aptitude. So, so thank you very much, John, for the discussion. You are welcome, Dave. Great to be with you, as always. And that's all the time we have for today. For our listeners, please be sure to join us again next week at the same time. From now until then, John Asher reminds us to please, please get out there and sell something. Paul, take it away. You've been listening to another episode of Asher Sales Sense right here on Asher Strategies Radio. 